Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 135. We're like smack in the middle of season six now. It's really exciting. And I'm like also right in the middle. Like, I think I maybe have even officially like tipped the scale to like the second half of recording uh, season seven. So I'm just, you know, it's great. And not only that, but um, I'm officially, we're officially selling tickets for the Hallowed Wide album release show. If you live in Utah or you've been meaning to plan a trip to come and see some of the great national parks we have out here, my show is October 22nd and it's going to be really, really special and kind of epic. And I'm feeling really excited and also like terrified and completely exposed and vulnerable about it. But, you know, just trying to lean in to all of that. And I think by now I will have announced the uh, track 10 of The Hallowed Wide, Boundless, which is going to be coming out on September 23rd. And then the last two tracks are going to come out like the day before the release show. Ah, it's so soon. I'm scared. And I feel like so many things. I feel so many things. So get caught up on the Hallowed Wide. If you're nearby, get your tickets to the show. Um, you can find the link, the ticket sales link, like in any of my bios or anywhere. Uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. And also so scary. Today's guest is Kat Palmer, who is a photographer and an activist here in Utah. Um, and I had a great time talking with her. We talked about a lot of stuff and um, kind of got into it on some some different topics. Um, I don't want to tell you too much about it because you're about to listen to the episode, but I would like to introduce you to Kat Palmer by reading her bio. Born and raised in Orange County, California, Kat Palmer developed her insatiable romance with photography at 15 years old against the backdrop of Los Angeles, a place teeming with racial divides, cultural diversity, and economic inequality. Her worldview further evolved as she immersed herself in the streets of Mexico, developing a new obsession that would plague her art forever, human empowerment. From 1995 to 1999, Kat made an academic go of her art and then traversing the unexpected technological revolution joined professional digital in 2005. She has never forgotten where her heart lies and fully intends to replace the dark side with the dark room one day. Ooh, I love that sentence. Regardless of the medium, she has exhibited all over the Salt Lake Valley and has won many awards. Kat's most recent project, Go Home Trump, went viral. Kat has devoted her craft to the expression of meaning through images and has found a powerful voice in empowerment. Her empowerment themes have been self-esteem, peace, self-reliance, I am human, there's no place like home, peace to the Middle East, age of aesthetics and defying society's definition of beauty, superhero women, I have a secret, keep the politicians out of our vagina, transgender visibility, and a series with an Orwellian theme. Kat is available for hire for portraits, family shoots, and corporate events, but she is resigning from doing weddings. I hear you, girl. I've been finding, like, an odd beauty in weddings this year, and I, th I was just thinking before, like, just literally, like, 15 minutes ago, like, oh my gosh, I'm heading into, like, the, the official busiest week of wedding season in terms of actual gigs. It doesn't feel like the busiest to me because the way that the way that it works for me since I sing the weddings and also do like all of the planning, 
um, July and August are busier for me because I'm like executing a ton of events, but then also like doing all the planning for like the events that are happening in like the next six weeks. So officially like my to-do list is like getting smaller, but the gigs are ramping up and I'm, I'm in like a, a really tenuous headspace with it where like, sometimes I'm like, this is beautiful. I'm like totally on top of it. I'm like in my element. And then sometimes I feel like scared out of my complete mind and I get like such bad anxiety. And I do things like wake up in the middle of the night, biting my tongue, like as, like as hard as like so hard. And just like, anyway, it's a weird time. And I've been, I was just thinking like before I started recording this, that I maybe need to do like a wedding season meditation where I like, remember like this is like a human endeavor. Like I'm so lucky that I get to spend this time with like people on one of their most valuable days, um, and do this kind of like real time creative endeavor with like my colleagues. Um, but you know, I don't know. We'll see. I'm feeling kind of Zen about it today, but you know, it's, it, it comes and goes with the day anyway. Um, that is the stuff Cat is really cool and has many cool things to share. And yeah, I think without further ado, let's get into it. Please welcome Kat Palmer. Here she comes. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm, I'm working on releasing my third album, and I just hired this PR team so great. in New York, and they've given me like, a really intense social media posting schedule and I'm finding it it's a wholly lot. overwhelming. Well, you're supposed to be posting two to three reels a day on TikTok and on Instagram and it's so much. Two to three a day. A that's day. How is that or, even possible? I think it's maybe three to four. I don't know. It's too much. It's too much. It's I've been trying to do one TikTok a day and I feel like it's like I'm obsessed. It's like yeah. all I all I'm doing mm -hmm. all day. I'm just like, what will I TikTok today? Yeah. And it takes so much time. So yeah. how does that sound? Does that sound okay to you? It sounds beautiful. Okay, um, do you have any questions before we started? You want to kind of just um, dig yeah, in? No. Um, do you have any rules as far as say whatever you want? You're, okay. That's say whatever that you was want. my, yeah. that was my question. Cause I don't know your audience. And so my um, audience is art people. Okay. That was my, that was my question. Yeah. Cause some, some places have rules and some places don't. And also so. my philosophy is kind of like, if I have a guest who says something that challenges the audience, that's also kind of the point. Okay. Great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you yeah. just be exactly yourself. Okay, no topics perfect. are off limits. Okay. That was my other question. Yeah. Do you have anything that you avoid? Nope. <laughs> anything okay. that's important to you is important to me. Okay. In awesome. This, in this conversation. I'm excited. Yay, I'm excited too. I'm like this this new this so I'm I'm recording episodes for season six and it's that it's is gonna impressive. be it's gonna be a great one. They've always said if you can get past episode ten that you're doing a good job. So I'm like I mean this will be like my hundred and thirty something interview. That's so amazing. yeah, and they're all like two hour interviews or like ninety minutes. That's so it's amazing. like you know, 
it feels yeah. like really something. No, that's really I've impressive. Made some like great friends that are like actually, you know, we actually hang out and see each other. <laughs> that's it's amazing. Like, it's lovely. Well, let's dig in, shall we? All right, let's do this. Are you ready? Cat, <laughs> <laughs> where are you from? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Orange County, California, but now. I mean, I moved here when I was 21 and I'm 42 now. So I officially have been in Salt Lake City as long as I was in Orange County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's weird to say Utah very much feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's helpful to know that you didn't spend your childhood here. That's, I mean, California is a bit different, like yeah. culturally. <laughs> well, 100%. And I mean, I was raised by uh, California Mormons. And so, okay. So it feels much different. I so. was raised by Arizona Mormons, which is also yeah. like a little bit, a little different. Yeah. You wouldn't think it would be as different as it is, but it is different. Well, out, Mormons outside of the state of Utah, I mean, as we both know, it's different. Like it's it's a different culture here. So, well, I love to kind of get started by like talking with people about what, you know, what role creativity played in their childhoods. I'm Mm -hmm. curious about kind of like nature versus nurture when it comes to creativity. So can you tell me like, just what were you like as a creative child? What was that kind of like early evidence that you were a creative soul? Sure. I mean, I picked up a camera when I was 15 and I've been shooting since I was 15 and I was really fortunate, um, strangely, the name of my photographer is also the name of my partner, which is so weird. But um, <laughs> I swear it has nothing to do with anything. And I didn't even realize it until well after we started dating that they had the same name. But um, I had this photographer named M in high school. Who a teacher? Ta- yeah, yeah, that okay. was my, my teacher's name was just M because he had a really difficult name to say. Mm. And so he didn't expect us to be able to say his name. Sure. So he just went by M. And um he taught at a college level and he pushed us and he, so when I actually started college, it was like starting over and it was almost too Mm. basic when I started, it was weird and it was almost too simple for, for me to start college. I can't really explain that, but no, I think that makes perfect sense. Like if you had, you know, in your teens teachers that kind of expected like, you know, professional level uh attention from you he was so good and he was letting me write my own curriculum by my senior year and so when I went to go take basic photography in college I was like this is so boring I cannot handle this and I almost just didn't go to class yeah and uh, let's get into all of that oh yeah sorry 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 I want to know so back to what you were like when you no I want to know even younger oh even younger like you're very the very earliest evidence that you had creative stuff going on um I I kind of believe that we get a little fixated on like product in our culture yeah and I'm really interested in like just you know like the creative work that just happens in our minds sure sure I mean I I know as a child I was really obsessed with with music television which was was MTV um I I, w- I was hyper-focused on one thing at a time yeah. when I was a kid, and uh, music was my thing for a really long time. I don't I don't know that I, w- I really was into art or anything of that nature until my teen years, but as a kid, I was strangely just hyper-focused on music at seven, eight years old. Yeah. And What kind of music were you listening to? Um, 
at that time, it was really anything I could find on music television, MTV, I guess I can just call it MTV. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I'm calling it music television. Um, but they used to play music in the eighties. I don't know if MTV is still around right now. Um, I don't know, but I do know, you know, later in the nineties and two thousands, it switched and was just playing, um, like shows, shows. like reality shows. Right. And so, but when I was a kid, they actually played music Yeah, and it, it, launched in 1982 and so by the time I was seven or eight years old you know it had been around five six years and I loved you know Depeche Mode was like probably one of my favorite bands at that time and then I was really obsessed with Madonna yeah and who isn't yeah I I love Madonna I just loved her so much and so like I started dressing like her and uh and then I went through my black phase when I was nine years old where I had to just wear like all black, but I wasn't a goth, you know, <laughs> I love like that. nine years old. That's hilarious. Like I wasn't a goth. And then by 10, I really loved Metallica. I just thought they were the greatest band of all time. And, um, how, how was this? Like, I'm, I'm curious about, um, the family, like, were, are your parents creative? Do you have creative siblings? Did um, you feel kind of different in your family? I mean, my mom likes to draw, um, but I don't know that she was ever given the opportunity to really explore her creative side. Um, My grandmother was a photographer, but I didn't really find that out. My my family doesn't talk about things. It wasn't like until I was shooting for like two or three years that my grandparents were like, oh, yeah, we used to have my grandparents raised me. Sorry, backing up. Okay. I went yeah. to go live with them when I was like 12, 13 years old. Okay. And they eventually told me, oh, yeah, we used to have a dark room here in the house. What? And I was like, <laughs> that's huge. That's something maybe you could have told me when I was like 15 when I started shooting. Like, yeah. you know, they like waited a couple of years to like. Do you have theories about like why that is? Like, d- did the family kind of forget. like not communicate in general or was it like about. I, I just think they were busy. Okay. They were, my, my grandmother was an executive. She had a lot going on. Cool. And like my grandfather was, also, they were also, they were just busy people and they had a lot on their plate. And I just don't think they were thinking about yeah. things. They came home from work. They were tired. Sure. I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. But I found, I found a lot of equipment like in the house and like, I, I, cause I like to go through closets and like cupboards and stuff. And it, I, I don't know. And finally, eventually they divulged things to me, but they just... It, it just was, was just funny. Like, yeah, it was that's just so funny. interesting. And did so, you did you feel um so when you were a child like before the age of 10 maybe or like before mm-hmm. your teen years, did you did you feel creative? Like was that part of your early identity or was that something you kind of like I was just trying to survive. Like no. Uh I I grew up in a pretty uh traumatic and toxic environment and yeah. so I was just trying to survive. I think it's definitely different than where my kids are growing up right now, where they are nurtured and have yeah. a lot of stability. I didn't have a lot of stability as a yeah. kid. So, uh, did, I. did, did, yeah. the, did creativity feel to you like, was, was it an escape or, or was that something kind of just that happened? No, later? by the time, by the time I hit 15, I had a lot of, by the time I hit 15, I had stability in my life and I feel okay. like my teenage years were pretty lovely. And so at that point, no, it's just, I thought high school was such bullshit that I, 
wasn't going to get involved with the the things that they wanted you to get involved with sure. just because they said you should get involved with this. Yeah. And I really enjoyed my time outside of high school so much. And I, I was being forced to choose an elective and this seemed like the only elective that interested me. And sure. so that was really the only reason okay. I went into photography yeah, was because I, I did not enjoy hanging out or talking to the people at my school. Yeah. And I um, did not enjoy the extracurricular activities at my school. Sure. And, and so this was the only, for me, this was the only reasonable option at the time presented to me. And I was like, okay, I'll do this. Yeah. And that was really the only thing. And then I really liked that teacher. Like he okay. was so great at his job that, um, I wanted to keep doing it more and more and more and more. And I could mm -hmm. just get lost in that dark room for hours and hours and hours to the point that I eventually started getting permission from my teachers that I could, um, miss my classes as long as my assignments were turned in sure. and just go spend time in the dark room. Um, by my senior year, I just designed my life to just be in the dark room. And so did, how did it feel? Or like, I'm curious, like, was there a moment or a time where you kind of realized like, I'm good at this. And, and if so, like, how did, how did that feel? I still don't know that I'm good at this. Yeah. So, <laughs> you just loved so it. no, yeah. <laughs> or like, maybe I'm also curious, like I'm, I'm, I really am. I'm like, I am kind of obsessed with the idea of like this nature versus nurture with creativity. Like, how does it happen? How do we, how do we take care of our creativity? Um, is it the kind of thing that like, it's there and it can't go away and no matter what happens to it. So maybe I'm wondering like, you know, when you had these, this teacher, um, kind of like giving you extra support, you know, like giving you extra kind of permissions to explore, did that like inform or kind of speak to like anything in your like kind of young, like budding identity? I mean, absolutely. I mean, he at that time, and I don't, God, I don't want people listening to this to think I'm comparing myself to somebody. I am just relaying what my teacher said at that time yeah. and how this shaped that moment because I'm certainly not comparing myself to anybody. Sure. But at that time, that first year that I was shooting, he said, you remind me of Diane Arbus. And I said, I don't know who, I was 15. Yeah. And I was like, and the internet did not really exist yeah. then. Like I'm old. And <laughs> I mean, the internet didn't really exist when I was 15 either. And I'm like 10 years younger than you. Yeah. And yeah. so like it didn't. So he, he said, go, go to the library, check out a book, look her up. Cause that's what we did back then. Right. We didn't go look on Google. Like we went and found an encyclopedia in the library. Yeah, you have to have someone like drive you to the public library. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. that's how we looked up information when I was a kid. And so he said, this, this image reminds me, and I remember which image it was actually, it was an image of two cows. And I know this sounds weird, but it was an image of two cows standing. They were facing the same way. And it was an image of two cows. And I looked up her work and I just fell in love with her so much. And she's still my favorite photographer to this day. And um, can you tell me why? Like well, well, she found the beauty in people that society shunned, and she mm. was so fucking weird. And I, I just fell in love with her work. And um, and she, 
I mean, she captured things that I can't explain it. Like she, I mean, cause back in the, you know, fifties and sixties, so many people were putting away people that had developmental disabilities mm-hmm. into institutions mm-hmm. and they didn't, society was awful. Yeah. You know, society was just a, a, a terrible machine and she didn't see it that way. Mm. And I just loved her mind and I loved that she found the beauty Yeah, and I just loved how she saw things. And I just, I, I absolutely fell in love with her work. And, yeah. um, I mean, it, it's, and I think as somebody that has struggled with suicidal ideation my whole life and, and, you know, she eventually took her life, I think a couple years after I was born, but, um, I, I also just have respect for that as well. And yeah. like hold, hold that sacred because I understand like as an artist and as a photographer and as somebody that has struggled with that, um, how hard that is. Totally. And so I, I just love, I love her so much, but for her, for him to say that to me as a 15 year old, it, it meant something to me. Like it meant something yeah. to me. Well, this, so when I was saying before, like I'm interested in kind of these things that happened in our, happened in our minds, like these kind of pre, like, um, I feel like, Oh, don't worry about that. Sorry. I feel like these, <laughs> these, these things that you're saying of like, you know, this woman, Diane, Ar- what's her last name? Diane Arbus. Arbus. Mm-hmm. She saw the world in a different way. That's creative. That's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, when you kind of realized that, like, I think what I'm, I think I'm wondering whether you were starting to build some of those similar perspectives, like before you had seen that, like reflected, you know, from another adult. Yeah. I mean, I think, I I mean, I definitely think like when I was a child, like I, like when I was 10 years old, like I didn't identify like with a lot of adults and I definitely did not want to be, I mean, I feel like any, I feel like I feel like most kids can relate to this. And when I meet 10 year olds, I always ask them the same question because I felt this way as a 10 year old. And I'm always curious to know if other 10 year olds feel the same way. So every time I meet a 10 year old, I always ask them this and I say, do you feel smarter than most of the adults in your life? And I'm always curious. Some of them are like, what lady? You're so weird. For sure. Some of them don't. Yeah. Some of them are like like what? And then some of them are like, absolutely. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like mm-hmm. the thing that I want to ask people and like, I'm not asking children, but I ask other creatives what they felt like as children, mm-hmm. which I think is like a similar thing, but like which adults in your life were the adults that made you kind of feel like, okay, that's, I could be, I could, it's nice to know that that's a person mm-hmm. that's surviving in the world. Mm-hmm. If the adults that are like raising you just aren't doing it for you. you yeah. Know? Like just nope. seeing kind of like something else, which is, I think sometimes like why, you know, a teacher can kind of give a child that hope of like, Oh, you're an adult in the world. Like show me how to be how you are. Cause mm-hmm. that feels survivable to me. Yeah. yeah. I can still like remember being eight and nine years old and identifying the adults that did not suck. Yeah. 100%. I definitely felt like that too. Like, and felt very like, also like you know why aren't the adults who are raising me like seeing these things that feel really obvious to me right yeah and so so for you do do you feel like cause i sometimes feel like this about music like you know i think for me like the 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 way in which like i identify as a creative like it doesn't necessarily have to do with music it's just like 
it's a perspective. It's like a, a set of values. Um, and music just happened to kind of be the thing that um, I took to. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like that photography was kind of like that for you? Like, like it maybe could have been another thing? Or do you feel like? No, I wanted to be musical so bad. I tried. I I. I deeply tried I mean I took lesson after lesson after lesson and then when I was older I continued to take lessons and it turns out I just super sucked at it like <laughs> what, I was what not, instruments did you did you play name name one yeah well, I probably took things. it like I tried <laughs> so bad yeah. I wanted to be musically inclined my brain was not wired mm, for it and um I just don't think it was my path yeah and I think really that's what it came down to it was not I think I really truly believe that we have paths yeah and I think it was absolutely not my path mm. um and I think I know this is gonna sound so shitty of me but it probably won't mm, I think it will a little <laughs> bit okay, I, I really believe it's one of the reasons that when my kids were young I had them take piano lessons because I wanted them to be musically inclined so bad because I wasn't. And I think I was 100% projecting that onto them. And I said, this is the gateway instrument. And if you can learn to read music, and I know like when your brain's young, it absorbs things Mm -hmm. so much better than when you get older. And so I wanted them to start young. And now they have moved on to other instruments yeah. and they're loving their instruments. Cool. And it makes me secretly so happy because I wanted to be musically inclined and I couldn't be. And yeah. so it brings me weird joy to see them playing and loving their instruments. How old are they? Um, 12 and 13. Wow. And so, um, and it was four years ago that they started Cool. Piano Start lessons. Piano. And so, yeah, I mean, well, I'll just say, like, as a person who teaches music to children, it's so interesting to me. Like, some children take to certain things so easily some children take to other things some children take to none of it it's it's just which is I think why I'm, I'm partly why I'm obsessed with this question of like what is it <laughs> like what mm-hmm. is creativity like can yeah. you teach it can you nurture it can you hurt it mm-hmm. um but I also feel like you know when I was growing up I definitely felt different I mean I definitely felt like I was like in the kind of in the wrong family mm. like I just was like made of different stuff mm-hmm. um and I think you know a lot of artists feel similarly not certainly not everyone I I would say you know probably half the people I interview like just come from creative families and just felt wholly nurtured. Did you feel nurtured? Not at all. Mm. Um, my, my parents are both, um, narcissistic. My mom's Mm. passed away and I'm, I don't, I'm not in contact with my dad. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I had, I also had, I mean, I don't know what kind of stuff you were dealing with as a child, but, Mm -hmm. but I also felt like a lot of tumult, Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of like, I think I started thinking about like my identity, like pretty early on. Yeah. (laughs) Can I change it? Should I change it? Why am I like this? Um, And that feels very like tangled up in my creative journey in a way that like I like talking about. I think Mm -hmm. it's helpful to think about it. I don't know. Do anything like that you're kind of thinking about? No, 100%. And I think, the, the the journey and like from the moment I was born, I do think about this a lot, especially when I've been meditating recently, the moment I was born to now, 
I, I think everything that happened, it shaped who I am. Yeah. And, and I think I'm the mother that I am because of the path that I've led. Yeah. And I make a lot of the decisions I make now because of the things that I went through and I chose to break those patterns and I chose very specifically things with my children because of what I went through. Mm. Um, very specifically because I decided what not to do. Right. And I also know that I was a very strong child and I also believe like I was born that way. Yeah. Um, and it's almost, I mean, I don't want to get into all of that, but, but you can get into whatever you <laughs> well, want. It gets a little, it gets a little hokey hokey, but, but I, I, I think that it's, it, I know part of it is cause I had to be, yeah. but, um, but, but I do, I do believe like, yeah. um, like I wouldn't be like where I am right now with all of, without all of that path that I had to go through. Right. right? Yeah. And so, um, and I think it's also given me an understanding and compassion, you know, for people that I encounter. And I mean, not necessarily on a daily basis, but you know, throughout my life, I encounter people and it definitely gives me more insight and understanding that I wouldn't have otherwise. Right. That's, I think that's like creative thinking. I mean, I say this on the podcast all the time cause it's like one of my like pet subjects, but mm-hmm. you know, when we think about like the purpose of art or like, what is, what is it? What does it do? Mm-hmm. I think like when it's doing its best job, it's helping us change our perspectives mm-hmm. to see the world in a different way. So right. that's why I was wondering if like, you know, seeing those, that first book of Diane Arbus photos, right. if you kind of felt like I'm already building this perspective, like I see my, I see right. my own, like, you know, values reflected in this work. Right. D- did you feel like that? I don't, I don't know if I was that philosophical as a child sure. at all. Yeah. Retrospect I mean, is tricky. I, 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 yeah. I feel <laughs> like as an adult, like art is so therapeutic and I've used art as therapy. I mean, since my twenties, so for like the last 20 years, I have been healing parts of myself through art, even unknowingly. Yeah. It's, it's like sometimes I would go back to series that I've done and realize like I was going through postpartum depression and I tackled a series and by the time that series was done, I was healed through that and not even realizing it. And right. so, um, but as a child, I don't think I was that deep, yeah, you it know, was just kind of all. like nebulous and Mm-mm. sort of, yeah. So can you tell, is it, well, I guess I should say, is there anything else that you feel is important to share about like, just in terms of like a human development kind of a thing about your creative development in your teens? Or shall we move on? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like I'm very appreciative of my grandparents just allowing me to exist. And I think so often we squash teenagers into making them be who we think they should be, yeah. or 
ex- the expectations. I mean, we do this with our partners. We do this with our children. We do this with, you can fill in the blank. Yeah. The expectations that we put on people, it, it really can squash creativity. And I feel like my grandparents just allowing me to exist because I was kind of a really weird child. And, and being that they were Mormon and they let me just be my weird self and let me dress how I was going to dress and let me have my hair the way I was going to have my hair. And I didn't even know that shoulders were a thing until I moved to Utah. And I was like, oh my gosh, the rape culture is so real here. And I had no idea that that was not even in my existence, like, because clothing was such an expression of who I was as a kid and they were not going to squash that in me. And, um, I didn't even know it was a thing until I moved here, but, um, well, I guess I didn't know it was a thing until I put on garments, but, um, (laughs) so, um, but they were so great at just letting me exist. And that is such a part of being a creative and I, yeah. I think that we need to just 100% like do that with our children, you know, like just remove those expectations and just let right. kids be kids. I and love let them this exist. philosophy of like, so. you know, my job as a parent and I, I don't have children, but mm-hmm. you know, like I love this philosophy of like the job as a parent being like to help my child, like discover the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it seems so obvious, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't feel obvious in, in my childhood. Yeah. Can I ask you one more question about your teens? Mm-hmm. This like weirdness, mm-hmm. how did you feel about it? Did you feel like I'm cool and this is great? Or did you feel like, I don't know how to handle the fact that I feel like divergent? Oh, I've, I've, I've never felt cool for sure. Like <laughs> 100%. Um, like I've always felt like misplaced yeah. everywhere I was, Gosh, um, I really even still, but, yeah. um, but I just felt good, like just being allowed to like be myself and that felt nice. And my grandmother, I felt like she always backed me up and that felt really nice. Like, and I remember one time, um, because I don't, I don't know that there was any other, I mean, I could be wrong, but I didn't feel like there was like another kid that like really like looked like me, you know, like completely. And, and that, but that didn't matter, you know, because I felt like myself and, there was one time and my grandmother was a very put together lady. Like she was always in business suits and she, you know, she, she was an executive. Yeah. Like, she had on a personal shopper and like, she always wow. looked really, really good. Yeah. And, um, I remember one time I was leaving the house and one of her, not a friend by the way that knew me well, cause I knew her good best friends. This was some, probably a lady from church or something, but, said to her, you're going to let her leave the house looking like that? And I was like, I wasn't going to say anything. I was yeah. like, my grandmother will handle this. Wow. And my grandmother looked at her and said, her hair is not hurting anybody. Her clothing's not hurting anybody. Clothing can be changed. Hair can be changed. She's a good kid. That's wow. all that matters. And I was like, mm-hmm. That's and I was incredible. like, bye grandma. <laughs> and so, yeah, gosh. And I so like- I was just so thankful to have that support And, you know, my, my daughter came to me and said, I want to put some purple highlights in my hair. Can you help me with that? And I was like, yep, it's your body, your choice, like 100%. And it's so, I just think it's important that kids feel that body autonomy because we do not have control over children's bodies. And I think it's, and I I just feel like my grandparents were such a good example of letting me be creative. 
I feel like I'm still trying to recover from like all of the control my parents like had over my body. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird? It's your body. I think about it all the time. I feel like it's like a, it's like a main thing I talk about in therapy. It's Mm -hmm. like a main thing I like have nightmares about. (laughs) It's your body. yeah. Yeah. And that stuff, I mean, you know, I think like the way that I kind of handled that as a teen and as a child and into my adulthood has been to kind of like, you know, just be out of body, like just to Mm -hmm. not associate with my body and feel like myself like lives in my brain. Mm -hmm. And that causes so many problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even just as an artist and as a creative, like, you know, I'm a singer, like I, I am when I create, you know, music. Um, there's an expectation that like I present myself in a way that like matches mm-hmm. and I, I sometimes really struggle with that because I don't mm-hmm. have like um practice like right. reflecting my insides on my outsides right and when that can match it's such a beautiful thing and it took me so long to get to that point where I felt like my insides fully matched my outsides yeah. it took me a long time but that had more to do with sexuality and gender yeah. issues but it took so long to get to that point, but it feels, it's such a nice feeling when you can yeah. get to that. I feel space. like I'm like, I'm working toward it. <laughs> just like yeah. taking baby steps. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, it's so weird to me too. Like when I run into people that are like, oh, my husband wouldn't like it if I cut my hair. It's like. Cut, cut your hair. Body autonomy. <laughs> yeah. If you want to cut your hair, cut yeah, your hair. Totally. Like body autonomy. And I don't. Well, that's hard though. It. When that stuff is like ingrained so deep in your childhood, mm-hmm. like so deep in your psyche, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. that's tough stuff to get out of. But I also think, like you know, for me, like th- those themes like make their way into my work, and I I will sometimes get messages from people saying like you know thanks for putting this into words or into like yeah. something you know, that I can understand it, which is again, kind right. of the point. So what happened? Like, so at, at the time that you were like finishing high school, mm-hmm. um, were, were you thinking about becoming a professional artist? Like, where was your, where was your mind? I was counting dirt. What do you, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was counting dirt. So no, so I know, well, I guess when I was coming out of high school, I wasn't, I I was going, I was going to go to college and I studied photography, which I did, but then I started counting dirt. I don't, I just like, I I dropped (laughs) out of college to count dirt. Tell me more. Um, so, and, and not a lot of people know this, but, um, I got scooped up by earthwork calculation services and became a dirt estimator uh, when I was <laughs> literally 18. counting dirt. I thought it was a metaphor. No, no, <laughs> I wish it was. But when I was 18 years old, so I started college when I was 17. I had skipped a grade early on. And um, so I started college when I was 17. And when I was 18, um, the, this guy that it was like maybe a mile from my house. And at the time, I was managing a vintage clothing store in seal beach california called the catwalk which had nothing to do with my name and it was spelt differently but it just was coincidental and i was happily studying photography and um he gave me an offer i could not refuse and i why like why you because he is smart at what he does and he would seek out um, he would seek out smart young people and train them and teach them calculus every week. And, Whoa. um, so he didn't have to hire civil engineers 
and wow. because he could he could still pay them really well but not pay them civil engineer level sure and so he was smart he knew what he was doing and so it was basically a bunch of surfer boys and me and Becky and then eventually Leslie and um we worked for this guy and I why, why? calculated like what were you, dirt. What was it for? Um, so basically, I mean, it was different in the nineties than now. Now I think everything is ma- mainly electronic, but we would get uh, blueprints in and we would, um, di- uh, we had big digitizing boards and AutoCAD and this thing. And we would um, basically trace existing lines, topography maps and, then we would then put in what was going to be built there, and then we would calculate in cubic footage. This is the most boring conversation you've ever had in your life. I'm so sorry. You now are li- you're losing all your listeners. But then we would calculate in cubic footage the dirt that would be removed and brought into the site because at the time I think dirt was like four dollars a cubic yard. Okay, I could be so wrong it was on like this. for construction. Yeah, okay. and so dirt brokers would come in. I wasn't and sure if it was like for construction buy, or like ecology. No, so they would buy and sell dirt, but then we would have to read soils reports and then calculate that into it. So if it was rocky soil or clay soil or Sure. Anyway, so that's so. What we did do. you stay in college during this time? Or no, did I you? dropped out. Okay. I dropped out. Can mm-hmm. I ask? Like, so you were studying photography, mm-hmm. though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever have to have a conversation with anybody of like, do you really want to be an artist? Uh, no. It was no. just it felt natural. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess so. Um, I I didn't do anything with it for like four four years. I moved here during and, that period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I I quit that job. I moved here. Um. And, and at this point you still don't like feel like you're an artist. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't at that time. I had, I mean, I'd like dabbled. I had, I had done some photography. I'd I'd shot with models. I hadn't done anything real at this point. Um, real and meaning like paid. Uh, right. Like I, I had just, I had, I had, I had shot some stuff in high school. I had shot some stuff in college. I had shot some stuff of some bands, like, um, and I had done the stuff when I was 17 of spoon and squid, which were their punk rockers in LA, um, that have like a whole backstory. Um, and I, and I mean, I'd done, I'd done some stuff, but nothing, nothing of real, like, you know, not meaning or, yeah, it was all just stuff when I was a kid, you know? And then I didn't really pick up a camera for, I think three or four years. I didn't really do anything. So what happened that got you back and in? Well, it was, it was, I came here and the owner of Stone Ground, Bob, um, it's a restaurant here in Salt Lake City. Um, he let me put whatever I want in his restaurant and I don't remember why I talked to him. And I can't remember if this was after I had an exhibit, uh, I can't remember what the coffee shop was now. There was a coffee shop on 200 South. And I think that this was after I had that exhibit. So you were still taking photos? No. Wait, so what Mm-mm. was the exhibit? The exhibit was all images I had taken when okay. I was 16. Okay. And so this was all old stuff. And um, well, I'd had... It still I, feels like... I had an exhibit. It was like alive though like mm-hmm. you had stopped taking photos but you still like value the f- work you had done they, like there was yeah, like an I mean I mean I feel line. like the I th- feel like the stuff I had shot as a kid was it was decent like it was I, I shot some good stuff when I was a kid um I mean I was doing decent work for a 
kid sure you know well, I think I'm just I'm curious like how but, it felt you know like yeah but it's all I did like I didn't have I hadn't picked up a camera in three or four years and um and that's when I found my mentor that was when at that time I had gotten that stuff printed at Borg Anderson and that was when I found my mentor and then I went to, I decided I wanted to do another exhibit and Bob said, I'll let you put whatever you want up in here. And I thought, well, I'm not going to put old stuff. Sure. I'm going to shoot something new. And I hadn't shot anything. You needed a for project. Yeah. So what did you do? <laughs> I went home and told my sister, she was living with me at the time and she was, I think she was 17. I said, I have an idea and I need you to shave your head. I have this idea in my head and you have to realize like I'm Mormon at the time. Yeah. She's Mormon at the time. And I come home and I think I'm 24 at this time. And I was like, and this is like the nineties late. No, late no, 90s. now or now I'm it's 2004. Okay. Okay. So we're fast forward now. It's, okay. it's now 2004. Cause I'm living here. I moved here in 2001. Okay. So it's now 2004 and, uh, I come home I'm living in Syracuse, Utah in an awful house. It's this big house, way too big for me. And I, I come home and I say, I need you to shave your head. She's like, all right. So, wow. so she runs upstairs and she gets out my, at the time I'm married to a man and gets out my husband's clippers and just starts shaving her head. And, um, and so we do this shoot. We do this really weird ass shoot that I've never done anything with these images. And I feel so bad to this day that she shaved her head. <laughs> yeah. You made her shave your head. And right. Then, and yeah. then the image that becomes semi like well-known is she's wearing a wig in it. And so then she puts on this wig and she gets in. We have a 1952 Chevy at the time and she puts her fist out the window and at the time I was so annoyed with Utah drivers because they just do not know how to fucking merge onto a freeway. It's still true. And so I call this piece, learn how to merge. <laughs> and it's her with her fist out the window and it hangs in stone ground for eight years. He loves it so much wow. that he leaves it in his hallway for eight years. And that was the, f like really the first time I shot anything for years. And it got that, me going on art again. That feels like really significant that your sister just like believed in you. Yeah, like it was that. wild. Um, can I ask like whether your former husband was like supportive of you being an artist? Not at all. Oh, that's a that's a touchy subject. Okay, we don't have to talk about that. That was a touchy yeah. subject in our marriage. Like, uh, I'm sure he does not listen to my interviews. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm sure there are people out there that do listen to my interviews. So I'm positive this will get back to him. But in a way, I'm just going to answer your question because like, fuck it. But um, in a way. <laughs> well, I do feel like I'll just say really quickly, you know, I mean, if if like my my kind of purpose is like I I feel like a couple of things are important to me. I want to kind of educate people on how to like like take care of the artists in their lives. Mm -hmm. like, that feels like, like, can we just like talk about how to like not, uh, diminish like the, the creative people, the creative souls in your life. Yeah. And also like, you know, maybe related to that, like, you know, talking about kind of the, 
the service that creative people do in yeah. our world. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people here have, have no support for their yeah. creativity, you know? They, yeah. And so to, to hear stories of like, you know, how we got through like times in our lives where we didn't have support, like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that could be important, but it was yeah. honestly like, it, I don't know. I've act, this is a question that's never been asked in all the interviews I've ever done. This question has actually never been asked. And so it's weird that <laughs> this question has never been asked. Um, in a lot of ways he was supportive and, but 100%, I just want to back up and say, I think it was Dorothy Parker and I'm going to feel really bad if I'm not quoting this correctly. If it wasn't Dorothy Parker, I'm sorry, but it was, the quote is something along the lines of if you, you know, want people to say like nice things, you should have behaved better or oh, something. I, I don't know who said that, but like, I think about that quote all the time. All and the time. I, Cause my, um, I, I speak publicly about my parents a fair amount and all the time people are not happy about it. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, yeah. and, and it's hard cause he and I are still raising kids together. And, mm -hmm. and so it's like, I've got a co-parent with this person, but unfortunately, like, I mean, he did a lot of great things. Like, I mean, he created my logo and like he was running my website for a long time and he was there on a lot of my photo shoots mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways, you know, he was supportive and there was a lot of things that he was doing, but in, in, in some ways it was so hard, um, because I started to realize that a lot of his anger that he had towards me was because of the success that I had. Oh yeah. And because of the name that I had made for myself, because he had actually gone to college mm. to become an artist and he wasn't having that same success and I realized that he was taking that out on me. And that was really hard. Yeah. And, um, for like the thing that like brings you joy and purpose right. to be like the thing that's like the source of a problem. Right. And that's, yeah, that's he didn't want to be known hard. as Kat Palmer's husband. And he told me that. And, um, I had taken 18 months off from doing art so that he could flourish and just have like the spotlight on him and things could be focused on mm -hmm. him. And that was honestly the nicest that he had ever been to me was during that 18 months. And the second I started doing art again, it just went right back to how things were. And it was awful. And I kind of realized I couldn't live like that. Sure. And, um, and I've since forgiven him and like we've since moved forward and we've moved on and he has apologized. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't dwell on any of that, but honestly it was hard. Can I ask a kind of a weird question? And mm -hmm. if you don't, if you don't have an answer to it, that's fine. But yeah. do you feel like you have like maybe advice for someone who's in a similar situation? Like, like how should it have gone? Like what, what would be, what would be the tools that someone would need to like navigate that in a healthy way? Well, honestly, I mean, as a gay person, I should not have been in that situation to begin with. But sure. if you are not gay and you want to stay married to a hetero in a heterosexual relationship, um, I mean, I would advise being in therapy and like working yeah. through things like that was a very toxic situation and it was yeah. a very abusive situation. And I would suggest like being in therapy and working through things in a more healthy situation because it was not a healthy situation. Yeah. And if you are with somebody that is treating you poorly because you are doing something that brings you joy, that is not okay. Yeah. yeah. Like it is 100% not okay. 
and he's in a much better space now. Like he's in a, he's doing things that are better for his mental health now. Um, but at that time that was not okay. And it just, it's just not okay. Like you deserve to be working on things that make you happy and you shouldn't have to like not do those things just so that your partner is happier. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. And I think even more like the thing that I'm thinking, you know, having not been in this situation, but having, having experienced some similar things, I feel like, you know, a lot of people when they're presented with something that is challenging to them. And I mean, like from his perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. like being presented with like, you know, an ego thing, like will just not even take, like they won't even take a second step forward and go like, what is this actually about? And realize like, this has nothing to do with cat or this has nothing to do with this other person. This has to do with like my own insecurity. And if I can like, if I, if I, cause I think, you know, someone who has really good intentions could find themselves in that kind of a predicament, right? you know, but to take a second longer and think like, well, you know, what a, what a gift it is to like have this person who challenges me or to, you know, I don't know. Like, I just feel like that's also like, I say this to my students sometimes when they have like things that they're complaining about, like, well, if you're a creative, like fucking be creative, like, like find another path, like reframe it, you know, cause these things are not, they don't, they're not just like facts. Like these are situations that could require interpretation and, you know, I don't know, especially for someone who is an art, who is an artist, like reframe it, (laughs) like have a, you know, like take, take a creative approach. Right. It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Well, and I think like, you know, this podcast is called artifice and Mm -hmm. like, I like it because it's a cool word. And my listeners have heard me say this a thousand times. It's a cool word, Mm -hmm. but also like, I just think like I was saying when we were kind of chatting before Mm -hmm. I started recording, like what we do as artists is just kind of weird. It's a bit unknowable. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't really matter the medium or the story. Like what we do is just, it's just a bit unknowable. And I think for that reason, like there is an inherent kind of artifice. It doesn't mean we're doing it on purpose. It just means like the things that we're doing are kind of mysterious. The way that we got there, the kind of what, what it means in the background, which things are difficult, which things we've had to overcome, which things have just been easy. Um, you know, all of those things are just a total mystery. And I, I don't know, I find it really interesting. So, I, I guess like, you know, in that kind of a way, like, what am I trying to say? Like, like thinking about the backstory of like, this is what it means for me to have, you know, this is what I had to go through. Like, yeah. these are the, these are the things that I had to kind of like negotiate, reframe that have led me to like the values that I have now. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I think it's interesting when you say what, there was just something that i triggered something in my head, but a lot of times when people ask for advice or they, they have questions for me, they think that things happen just like overnight or things are, will happen really easily because so often people want instant gratification and they don't realize how long it took, how I built up my business for five years while I worked another job and how long that process took. It wasn't just an overnight thing. And 
it's it's so hard to get people to understand that yeah and that there were all these other elements that had to be in place in order for this to happen and totally. it's it's really hard to capture that for people right like it's easy to imagine that it's it's, it's easy for someone to look at you now and be like, oh, success, like, show me how you mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. But they, like, can't hear that answer of, yeah. like, it was a long meandering road and, like, a right. lot of difficulty. Right. Yeah. People don't like, people don't like Mm-mm. those stories. Right. And <laughs> yeah. how much work has to Which be Which is why, like, in. I don't want to talk that much with artists about, like, what they're doing now. <laughs> yeah. want to talk about, like, how did you get there? Because, yeah. you know, it's not that, like, what you're doing now isn't interesting. It's just, like, obviously it's interesting. People are yeah. going to ask about it. But Well, and it's easy to see what I'm doing. I feel like it's really easy to see what I'm doing now. Like, yeah. it's not that hard. Yeah, but I just, <laughs> I feel like these stories of, like, resilience, like, yeah. understanding how to deal with kind of, like, or or each of us sharing, like, how we dealt with or didn't deal with rejection, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. I just think those stories are, they're just powerful. Yeah. So what happened next? Well, let's see here. Like 20, uh, so if we go back to when I was 24, which God, that's so long ago. (laughs) Um, so that, that was kind of the tipping point of, and then I was invited to do the Utah arts festival, which at the time I didn't fully comprehend what an honor that was. And then I did understand what an honor that was. It, it's a lot of times things are over my head. And then I finally understood it was Chase Leslie who discovered me. And, um, I'm still friends with her and she's still such a lovely human being, but she invited me to do the Utah arts festival and to be an invited artist is kind of a huge deal. And they give you a booth and, um, you don't have to apply. You don't have to go through the jury process. You don't have to pay the $500 booth fee. They just give you everything. And, um, I had no idea what it meant to do a festival. Yeah. No clue. The Utah Arts Festival is cool. Yeah, it's so cool. And I had never done a festival before in my life. This was totally new to me where there's artists that this is what they do. They travel around. They make their living doing this. They know what they're doing. You know, they they completely comprehend it. I was a, a baby artist. I had no clue what I was doing. I'd never done a festival before. And so like, um, so I didn't fully comprehend how huge this was right and then eventually I did comprehend it and I was like oh this is a big deal and then after that I did the festival I think for seven years I could be wrong on that number but and and then I won an award uh, as like another juried thing that that they picked me for like favorite artist of the year so then I was able to skip the jury process again and then just get in the next year so So take doing that photo shoot with your sister that got you back into photography Mm -hmm. it did so I started shooting again okay so I started shooting it so I never stopped after that okay what were you shooting like what was your art about during that time so for about so that was 2004 so then 2005 I don't know what I shot in 2005 I would have to go back and look I think it was just like random I was trying to find my groove in 2005. Yeah, cutting it was teeth. just like random stuff. I think it was like bicycles and it was like, it was like cows. It was like really, really random Do stuff. You feel like flowers. Well, it was like random ass yeah. stuff because I remember that first year in the, the Utah arts festival, which was 2006. I had, I thought it's Utah. It's Utah. People are going to want a lot of pictures of flowers this is what I told myself. I'm okay. not even kidding. Yeah, Cause when I go you. and lecture at, when I've lectured at places, when they want me to talk about my beginning and art, 
I tell people to be so true and authentic to themselves and what they love. And because that is what people want. Yeah. And it's hard. It's a hard. George, George W. Understand. Bush was in office, right? George yeah. W. was in office. We had just entered a war. Well, not just, but this is what was going on yeah. at the time. And I was really mad. I got really mad. And I took my last, I think this was 2005 ish, 2006. I took my last pretty picture mm. and it was of, um, Olivia was this model I had worked with several times and she, this was the first time I'd worked with her. She was in a bathtub and everyone knows her as the bathtub girl. And it's this beautiful juxtaposition of this beautiful girl in this really tiny, cool in this industrial space. And that was the last like really pretty picture that I took. And then I got mad. I got real mad. And I started on this political path and it became my logo it became this is oh my gosh there's way too many notifications on my phone I was going to show you my logo but I'll I'll um, attach all your links and stuff so it became my logo right oh beautiful wow um and I shot this little boy um on an airplane he's we were very naughty we like snuck onto Hill Air Force Base and we put this half Albanian boy hanging off of this airplane wing wearing Harry Potter goggles and And then I took that bathtub model and her two sisters and shot them in gas masks and I wrote all over their bodies. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm human. And I wrote all over their bodies in front of a bunch of bombs. And their dad was serving in the war at that time. And so that started my political path. But back to the Utah Arts Festival, because this is is the point of the story. So I brought a bunch of pictures of flowers, which I do not like photographing, right? I love flowers. I grow flowers. I have fresh flowers in my house every week, but I do not like photographing flowers. I'm not a landscape photographer. You will not find landscapes ever on my website. I do not take pictures of landscapes. I like being out in nature. I like looking at nature, but I I will not photograph nature. And um, so I, I think I'm in Utah. I don't yeah. know how to do the That's Utah Arts Festival. Want. Yeah. That's what people want. People like nature yeah. here, right? That's yeah. what they like, right? So that's what I bring a bunch of because I'm just thinking, I'm trying to think like what do people, I don't know what, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And so, but that, at that time I had shot those three sisters in gas masks and I'm like, who is going to put, and it was probably about this size. Wow. It's like four feet by four feet. Wow. I brought, that might be five feet, but four feet by four feet of these sisters in gas masks. And I thought nobody in Utah is going to put in their living room, a giant thing of three girls in gas masks in front of bombs. Yeah, Nobody's going to buy this, but it means something to me. Yeah. And I'm very passionate about this right now. And I'm mad Yeah, and I'm going to bring this, but it's fine if it doesn't sell like, but this is what I'm bringing. Cause this yeah. is what I care about right yeah. now. I sold out of everything I brought of these girls in gas masks and all of my political stuff, I still have those flowers and trees to this day. I don't think I sold one print of those. See, that's like, also like, I find this too. Like I, you know, we live here and I think it can be easy if you're a person who maybe doesn't feel like you like belong here in the same way that some people feel like they belong here. It can be easy to put, you know, all of our, fellow Utahns in a box and they mm-hmm. don't belong in one. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's something I that no I, re- I remember, I re I re remember it all the time. Like mm-hmm. people are 
an individual is always so much more interesting than like the context, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I don't know, but that's creative thinking too. And that's Mm -hmm. also just like, I mean, yeah. Do you want to talk about, like, I love talking with people about art that's challenging. Mm -hmm, Sure. What does it mean to you to like, like, why do you want to make art that's challenging? How do you deal with like, you know, people being confused about it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was, you have to also realize I was Mormon this entire time. I was going to ask, like, were you still married? I was still married to a man. I was Mormon until I was about 32, which was 10 years ago. That's brave that's brave i didn't even realize it was brave though you have to realize like my visiting teacher who lived next door to me by the way bless her heart rest rest in peace shirley branson um she came over after i got done shooting that i was unloading my gear and uh she comes over and she's just so sweet and so elderly and she's like oh what were you taking pictures of and i was like uh do i tell her I was like, I'm just going to tell her whatever. And I was like, ah, three girls in gas masks in front of bombs with writing all over them. And she's like, Oh, uh, that's interesting. She asked the Relief Society president to get reassigned that month. Mm. She said, I think I should be seeing someone else. I don't think we're a good fit. And and the Relief Society president said, nope, you're going to keep seeing Kat. I think you're a good fit. And you know what? She was lovely. We kept she kept figuring it out. It was fine. We figured it out. But at that time, I was still Mormon. I I was shooting. a lot of stuff that people probably wouldn't think a Mormon girl was shooting. Um, mm. I did the shaved head series where I had 14 women shave their heads. and mm. That's a lot of trust in you. Yeah. Why did those people have so much trust in you? Mm. I have no clue. I would just approach random strangers. Wow. <laughs> people are like, you have so many friends. I was like, you think I have this many friends? I do not have this many friends. Um, and I would just. Wait, are you, do you feel like, are you just interested in people? Yeah. I mean. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, sh- I mean, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, but at that, I mean, I, at that time I just, I was so tired of Utahns and how much value they put in their hair Mm -hmm. and I wanted Mm -hmm. to like strip that away and I wanted to show how feminine and how beautiful women could be without hair and nowadays you see so many women but at that time you weren't seeing that totally this was like I'm wondering like how did you get people to do that I just like ask them yeah wow and and so, and a lot of them I'm still friends with to this you, day. But. Did they like? Did they do it because they understood what you were trying to mm-hmm. say? Yeah, one hundred percent. Cool. Yeah, one hundred percent. They knew they they understood the assignment, <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. Um, cool. And so, so yeah. How, how did your? I, I'd love to kind of talk through like your career, like from then up till now, in terms of like like themes, philosophies, like mm-hmm. what's the what's the stuff that matters. Yeah, uh, the th- the themes. Uh, well, we also tackled, and you have to realize. I realize, I haven't always gotten it right. Yeah, and of course. I'm growing and evolving and learning as I go because I realized that I was I was so focused on women for so long, and I did this series. And I realized I was missing the mark and I needed to be more inclusionary. Mm. Um, and I, I, I get, 
with a lot of my series that I tackle, it can be anywhere from like my grandmother talking about how she doesn't love her body or love herself. And I would be like, gosh, I hope when I'm in my seventies, I have figured it out now, you know? And so I, I tackled this series with just loving ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I was so heavily focused on women for so long and, and I don't know, like when I started, I don't, I don't know that non-binary was on my radar at all. I I, I don't know if I'd ever even heard the term. I don't think it was on my radar, but especially when I was tackling the keep the politicians out of our vagina series, I don't think it was until series round three of that series that I realized that I was really missing the mark with the transgender community. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess I'm sorry for that. And so by round four, the very first person I photographed was a transgender man because absolutely, you know, tr- transgender men get lif- left out of this conversation so much yeah. and non-binary folks get left out of this conversation yeah. so much. And so, um, I absolutely am evolving and learning, you know, that, you know, some of my art was not as inclusionary as it could have been. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful to say, like, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to talk about creativity and perspective, like, I think there has to be like an inherent humility there. Like, yeah. you know, that like, if you're, if you're going to be a curious person, it, it means that like at any given time, there's so much that you don't know. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's a fine line between like talking confidently about the art you make and also talking confidently about the fact that like you're still learning. That's kind of, I don't know. I think that's the point. It's pretty powerful. Right. And I mean, I messed up like, yeah. And so we I, all do. I mean, and that's just human. You know? yeah. that's, can I ask, um, did when you started making work that was more political and maybe you know controversial mm-hmm. um d- did you ever feel did you ever feel any internal like wrestling about that like should i do this what does it mean like or did you feel no what did it feel like to be like sure of that even amid kind of pushback or like, how did you do it? I usually feel pretty justified in my anger yeah. (laughs) and I usually feel pretty justified in my stances on things. And so usually when I move forward with things, I I'm feeling pretty justified that there needs to be a voice for what I'm doing. And I just move forward with it. And, um, did you have to defend yourself a a lot? Oh, 100%. I mean, the internet is a, it's a beast and, there's a lot of white straight men that take up a lot of space and, um, 100%, like I have to justify a lot of what I'm doing. And even today I was having to justify a lot of what I'm doing, uh, not just what I'm doing, but just when I say what I'm doing, what my community is doing. Um, can I ask you, like, do you ever feel so feeling justified? Does, does this, um, like the backlash that you have to field, does it like, how does it affect you? Cause I don't, I don't feel like both of those things can be true. You can feel justified and also feel like sad. You know, It's pretty rare that I, it's pretty rare that I get sad. Most of the time, like I'll make a comment and then just go about my day. It's it pretty, doesn't get in. No, it's pretty rare. Like I feel like I'm too busy to really 
<laughs> it sounds this sounds so robotic. I'm too busy to feel emotion. Um, well, I, I have I have too much going on to like yeah. really let things get to me. Um, most of the time, I think things are just pretty funny, but. Um, because these people don't know me like it's probably the same thing I don't know them you know what I mean like yeah. you know we are humans behind these keyboards um that makes me sad mm-hmm. like just that that fact like mm-hmm. like I get really sad sometimes about like gosh if you really knew you would never talk to me like right. this. right and I actually had a beautiful conversation recently with a gentleman um with a, with a, with a heterosexual gentleman um who came at me pretty strong and, and I just thought, if you knew me, you, you probably wouldn't speak this way. And we were able to come and have a very good conversation in the end. Yeah. And we were able to have a good, and like, I was able to get him to calm down and have, a, it's yeah. very rare that that happens. Yeah. Um, but I also very rarely take the time and energy to have conversations with folks I don't respect, sure. frankly. Yeah. Um, I know we're d- diverging from this conversation. We're going to, to the internet, but, um, no, I mean, well, that's, I mean, the internet <laughs> is like a, it, it exists in our, in our lives as artists. Yeah. But I feel very confident and I feel like artists play it way too safe, frankly, especially in Utah. Um, I feel like more people need to take up more space and I feel yeah. like people need to ruffle more feathers and I feel like people need to shake shit up. And I, I've been saying this for, over 15 years now and you you may lose followers it's fine mm. it doesn't matter but you're gonna gain okay. the right followers and it doesn't have to be what I'm doing this is what I tell people all the time it doesn't have to be as controversial as what I'm doing and I said this as a Mormon by the way yeah. um it doesn't have to be as controversial as what I'm doing it doesn't have to be as in, fa- in your face as what I'm doing but I feel like people would rather take the safe cushy easy road than to say things like black lives matters or to say things like protect trans kids or to say things that really matter. And, and I'm not saying things to just virtual signal or to just do things that, but to really like, to really do things that matter and they would just rather stay cushy and safe. And I think that more feathers need to be ruffled. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Well, I couldn't agree more. Like I was just talking about this exact thing in therapy like last week. Like it it I find it infuriating that like the norm even for people who've like who've left the church who are, you know, kind of privately like um, you know, leading different lives, like mm-hmm. the the expectation is that like out in public you keep acting just like the rest yeah. of the population, which I also think is just like ridiculous. Yeah. Like like h- having so little like perceived diversity, because like obviously we have diversity, mm-hmm. but to have so little of that diversity be perceived it causes so many problems. Yeah. Like, um, I, so I used to teach at BYU. Oh, wow. I know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) wow. And, uh, and, and good job them last night, the protesters that they changed the Y to trans colors. Good job them. I know. I'm so proud of them. Part of the reason I stayed there for so long is because I felt like the students that I had that were, you know, divergent Mm -hmm. in any kind of a way. Yeah. Like, 
they just needed, I don't know. I feel like they needed like a faculty sure. member. And like, I am very not that divergent. Yeah. Like I'm like pretty norm core in yeah. many ways. Um, but what I was going to say is like, I think that's, that's something that I learned so profoundly there when I was teaching there. Cause I, you know, I'm a feminist. Mm-hmm. I support gay rights yeah. and I support like minority rights of all kinds. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, but I'm like, I'm straight and mm-hmm. I'm white and I'm married, you right. know, like, right. um, but I felt like so, so different mm-hmm. there. And I felt like I was always like in trouble. Like I got yeah. ridden up to the honor code office like seven times while That's I worked wild. there. Um, I had, a, had a lot of things and I just thought like, I, I wish that you could understand, like, I'm not even anything (laughs) but when we have so much like um you know homogeneity is Mm -hmm. how you say that word uh you know even the tiniest difference feels like so big which is just it's a huge problem yeah so anyway all this to say like i really agree yeah no for real like like, stake your claim like be out loud about you know even if like the the way in which you're you know you know, like differing from, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. we think is like the norm is a small thing. Like say it out loud because it makes more room for everybody. Yeah. I would love to see more artists just ruffling feathers and shaking shit up. And we have so, I mean, aside, we have so many talented artists in this state. I mean, this state is just oozing with talent. It really is. And I would just love to see more of it. Um, I mean, I see, I, I, I see some performers doing some really great things, you know, like Madison can, can they and are I interviewed them. Yeah. They too. are, yeah. they are just brilliant and doing things and pushing mm-hmm. those edges and doing that. And so I see performers doing it. I would just love to see more, you know, visual artists doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I would love, I would love to see that. Um, I know, I know like performers like Talia Keys are doing things and pushing pushing that envelope but I would love to see more people in my field doing that yeah. and and I have been saying this for so long but it's just I would I feel like people play it so safe here and galleries play it way too safe yeah. you know I've ran two galleries here in this city <clears throat> when I say this city I mean Salt Lake City yeah. and galleries I know the red tape that they have I know the rules that they have to follow and I think it and I know the funding that they have to get and I know that they like to keep the people that are funding them um happy yeah and I know the bullshit that goes on Mm -hmm. frankly yeah and and the one time that I used the word anti-war they had a huge board meeting and all met and they said we can't have you use the word anti-war we need you to say pro-peace when you talk to the when you talk to the um media it's like are you fucking kidding me right now are you fucking kidding me yeah and i was mormon at that time yeah and they were like the words you're using are too controversial for the people that fund us and they just are two words you know yeah, no, I really understand. Anti-war. Well, even just was controversial, like, too e- controversial. Even for even for finding performance venues for original music, like our state is full of so much fear. <laughs> like it's so much fear. Yeah, and so I would love to see more gallery spaces opening up that are pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. I would love to see. Because when you go to other states, you have that. You have more spaces that are really yeah. pushing that envelope. And 
I would love to see that. I would, I, I mean, anyway, that, that's all. I would just love, I would love to see that mm-hmm. because I don't see enough of it. I don't feel like things are being shaken up here enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like things are so safe and I just want to burst that bubble and I just get so bored with things. Yeah, I get it. I don't know. <laughs> I like, get it. I just... <laughs> Do you feel like if you're thinking about the work that you do in like a like an outside of Utah context, like Mm -hmm. or if you're thinking about, you know, like maybe what I'm saying is I'd like to talk maybe a little bit about just like what you kind of feel is like what your philosophies about art are, you know, Mm -hmm. more kind of globally or like, I don't know where you're at, what what you're thinking about lately. Um, Like, what do you mean? I don't know. I mean, I think I think I like to talk with artists about like what 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 do you think is valuable about creativity mm-hmm. um what you see as like moving in a good direction in the world what you'd like to see mm-hmm. more of um but maybe just in kind of like more of like a like a broad context well i mean i think all i mean i think everything creative is valuable and i think everything is art i mean i think food is art i think makeup is art i think i mean i i like legitimate i think interior design is art i think yeah everything we look at is art, the way cars are designed, the way people decide to what they put on in the morning what you're wearing is art. I mean, I think like legitimately everything we look at and do is art. It doesn't have to be, I totally agree. It doesn't have to be this like fancy piece of artwork that you get from a fancy gallery. I think like everything in our lives that we look at every single day to me is a, piece of art you know like I I, so I feel like creativity is all around us all the time we we breathe art we like that's how I feel about creativity I feel like everything we do is is art in some form or another and I love it so much like I love the way my partner plated our breakfast this morning was fucking art (laughs) you know like it was art nice job and so like it was so beautiful (laughs) I'll have to hear about that after it just I feel like so I feel like creativity it doesn't have to be pretentious you know what I mean it it can be so simple and and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be unobtainable this is my soapbox this thing that you're saying right now yeah like creativity can be like like this is just a small thing but I feel like it's like a conversation Andrew my husband and I have been having a lot lately we're like you know I feel like I feel like we're always trying to kind of root out you know like new patterns that we realize we're in you know things that we're taking from our parents things we're taking from the culture Mm -hmm. and kind of questioning it and um I feel like we've been having this kind of thing this conversation pretty regular recently where like maybe he'll say something that I think is like just a hair insensitive Mm -hmm. and I'll be like, well, that was kind of rude. Mm -hmm. And then he will get defensive and I'll, I'll just say like, wait, just, just say what you meant to say. Like, Mm -hmm. just, let's just redo it. Yeah. (laughs) Like really what a good one. Let's just redo it. Let's just redo it. Yeah. Let's just redo it. Which also feels really creative. Like we Mm -hmm. don't need a, this doesn't need to be a fight. Like Mm -hmm. what I want in the first place is for you to have said like a slightly nicer thing, which I know is what you mean. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that's what's in your soul. Mm -hmm. So like, we don't, you know, it just let's redo it. I like that. Even though, even like, or, you know, if I'm talking with one of my students, like, you know, can, does this relationship need to be about a different thing? Like do, is the thing that this student and I need to talk about, like, 
more of an emotional thing than like a technical mm-hmm. thing or you know what just things can just be you know like, yeah, like we that. we can like it, there aren't the rules that we kind of like perceive i mean obviously there are some but right sure yeah absolutely but i think even those or like you know how are you going to interact with you know the person who's crossing the grocery store aisle at the same time as you i think all of those things like you know where we can move through the world artfully open creatively 100 um, yeah 100 percent. so well, let me ask you this then if everything is art which like i i kind of agree yeah um what does it mean to you to like be an artist mm, my god that's so complex because i feel like i have imposter syndrome like we all 80% do of the time <laughs> i feel like i don't know um and it's it's interesting too because i I also feel like so many people don't feel like they're an artist until they've like reached like this level, like th- they put this like weird goal or like until I'm like he- showing in a gallery that right. I'm not an artist or until I've like sold things for this amount, right. like I'm not an artist. And it's like, nope, if you have a pen on paper or whatever, or a brush on paper, you're an artist. Like, or, or if just, you're singing if you're at mind, all, you're an like, artist. Like, you're an artist. Like you yeah. are an artist, right? That's what like, I think. No too. matter what, like you're an artist. Like, um, what was the question again? Just what does it mean to you to be an artist? Oh, but I think you're answering it. Like, I mean, you're an artist. Like, I really, really agree. And even just like, you know, sometimes I have the opportunity to teach small, younger kids. Like most of my students are teens or adult beginners. But um, you know, sometimes I teach a little kid who like that child is a fucking artist. Mm-hmm. They're an artist. And I, I'll just ask them, like, do you feel like an artist? And if that mm-hmm. child looks me in the eye and says, like, yeah, then I'm like, mm-hmm. you are one. And, right. like, my job as your teacher is not to, like, be, like, a weird authority. Mm-hmm. My job is to, like, just help you bring that to life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I really think, like, the identity of an artist, mm-hmm. like, that is something that doesn't even have to have a paintbrush on a paper or... Right you know, fingers on a guitar or whatever, like that's something that's in your soul. It's something that's in like your perspectives. Um, I don't know. I love the idea of like someone just feeling artful like, and just apply it wherever you are. Well, and because it it can take on so many different forms, you know, it doesn't have to be, it could be anything. It doesn't need to be product. Right. It and can it be certainly anything. doesn't need to be like regulated by capitalism. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And it could just be how you present yourself to the world. Like yeah. I have, my cousin is just such a brilliant makeup artist and she's just this boss ass bitch. And she is just, she is, she oozes art. Like she's just such an artist. And, um, and there's this, this guy that I'm mentoring right now and he is just he's so brilliant and he is he's beyond me I I feel so silly even mentoring him but he's wanting Mm -hmm. to learn photography yeah and it's it's something that he he's not he doesn't know right um but he he does other mediums and he's just he's brilliant and he's great at what he does and it's been really fun to see his different mediums um and he's he's 100% an artist and he's so and he so great and he's surrounded by he he goes to a a center where there's all different people there and they have different abilities um and they all are artists yeah 100 percent and it doesn't matter 
if they're on different levels, they're all creating, right? Yeah. And yeah. um, I don't know. I don't think that there's, I think it's all subjective, right? Totally. Like, totally. And, and I ran into a grumpy person once. Once? <laughs> Just well, kidding. only one yeah. time. Only one time in my life have I ever run into a grumpy person <laughs> and it was this time. Um, years ago, there was, uh, I think it was the granite, was it the granite school that was taken over and there was an art installation done? I don't know. I can't remember. But I, I haven't think, lived here that long. So. I think it was the granite school. I think I, I can't, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the granite, some granite school was taken over and there was a huge art installation done in it. And all these artists came in and did art installations. And then it was really cool. You could walk through it wow. and see before it was torn down. Right. Wow. And I knew, I'm not going to name this one artist by name, but, uh, he's super brilliant and, um, he's not for everybody. He is an acquired taste. Um, I particularly love his work. Um, but there was an artist working there that did not love his work. And I was there and she made a comment and she was a very, uh, she was a person that maybe has not been exposed to a lot of different things in her life yeah, and has maybe only been exposed to very safe. pretty safe things. How about that? Yeah. Um, and his stuff is very cutting edge and different and wild. And I just love his work anyway. So I happened to overhear what she said and she said some very negative things about his work and how gross it was and how it made her feel. And so I listened to her for a minute and then I addressed her and she doesn't know who I am. Right. And I asked her, I said, you didn't get to know this person. And I knew this person quite well. I have actually, I had known him for eight years at that point and I knew him quite, quite well. And I said, first of all, this artwork made you feel something. Yeah. And that is huge. Did it even occur to you? That's what he meant. Yeah. yeah. Go, First sorry, of all, this, ahead. this artwork made you yeah. feel something. And when artwork makes you feel something, that's huge. Yeah. Because when you look at art and feel nothing, that means something. Meh, right. Yeah. Like, but this artwork, I mean, you feel something yeah. it's invoking emotion in you and you should be asking yourself, why is it making me feel this way? Yep. What is it about this? That makes me feel this way. I said, that's huge. But I said, aside from that, your judgment of this artist, because I heard the things that she said about this artist, mm. I said, you missed out on getting to know a really great guy yeah. because of your judgment about this guy. And that's unfortunate. Totally. Like that's really unfortunate. All because you didn't like his <clears throat> artwork Yeah. because you judged his artwork. And I said, and that is really unfortunate. And she just stood there speechless. And then I walked off, yeah. but I was, I was annoyed with her. Oh my gosh. I believe these things so deeply. Like, so you know, I think I have a general belief and, and of course there are exceptions, but that the vast majority of humans are like wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think I believe that or, or at very least like extremely interesting, yeah. you know, have important things to say, have important stories, like, you know, kind of living in their being. Yeah. And, and I think if you, if you believe that, and I think, you know, a lot of people who are small minded, I think, would say they believe that. Sure. Like, we care about people. We care about, like, you know. But I think if a person presents something to you that challenges you, whether that's a verbal, you know, whatever it is, I'm sorry, it's freezing in here. I oh, know it's it okay. Is. I have Reynolds. And so, like, I, I'm just trying to keep my. 
keep yeah, your hands warm. Good. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, we're almost done. Okay. If, if people, um, if someone presents you with something that challenges you, and you also have that belief that this person is valuable, mm-hmm. there's only one way to proceed, which is to ask a lot of questions and to listen really well. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And she would have been, I think she would have been surprised. Like, yeah, because he probably had really good reasons and was like, I mm-hmm. made this on purpose to like yeah. get you feeling something. Yeah. Like okay, she would have been shocked. I have like one last question for you, and then I have like two little questions mm-hmm. I ask at the yeah. end. Um, Kat, what do you love about people? Like, why do you love people? <laughs> Uh, i was gonna say i love it when people cancel on me so i can stay home in my pajamas (laughs) (laughs) hold on i've got a better answer than that i promise i kind of feel that too that's like like the the introvert's truth it's like i had like the best day yesterday I got to go nowhere and see no one. It's, it's amazing. Um, hold on. I've got a better answer than that, I promise. Um, <laughs> I want to say something like philosophical, like people will surprise you and like blah, blah, blah. They're magical. I don't know. Um, because I I really, I really love being alone. Um, hold on. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a better answer than that. Give me a second. <laughs> Well, even just like, you know, when you were talking, like, I really like what you said about like seeing those photographs as a teen and feeling like Mm. this is a person who's like seeing people differently, like seeing a value in people. Well, 100%. And I I feel like we, I I, I don't know, the judgment that people put on others, it just really upsets me so badly. Um, I don't know. Um. Like, I feel like I think of my friend Jamie, like, I, 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 when you ask this, like, I feel like my friend Jamie comes to mind of what I like about people. Um, but talking about him is going to make me cry. Um, it's okay to cry. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Um, what I like about people, I mean, I feel like it's, it's, it's just such a, it's such a, it's such a broad question. Um, but Jamie, Jamie was this, this, he was a panhandler that I met, um, who was one of my soulmates and, um, and I mean, I feel like he's like the epitome of, of what I like about people. And I feel like he was somebody that people could so easily just like look past and, um, but he was such a beautiful human. Um, and I got to know him and he became part of my family and, and I think it just would have been really easy to not get to know him and, um, or judge him or, um, I don't know. And he, he made the best tacos. (laughs) He was a really good cook. (laughs) He was a really, really good cook. And he had just one of the kindest hearts and, um, do you feel like you have any advice for like, like, is there, is there anything you'd want to say of like, you know, 
how can we be better at like seeing people who are easy to miss? I think maybe that's really the question. I, that I feel I like ask. being in tune with yourself and um, listening to your gut. Yeah. I feel like. I don't know. I feel like so often in life, like I have been connected with people because like I knew like with Jamie and then recently with Amber, like I, I feel like my, my gut and being in tune with myself, like has never steered me wrong. And like, I feel like it says to me, like, you need to go back and talk to that person. You need to go check on that person. Mm. And and not just with, with these folks, but just like with other people like that have come into my life and that I've connected with on a deeper level that just being in tune with yourself, sitting with yourself, sitting in quiet. Um, I've gotten more into meditation, but, um, but, but following, following those and having more quiet moments, like, turning things off and just having more quiet moments, but, and paying attention. Cause I think, I think there's so much noise and there's so much chaos around us and, and paying attention and having conversations with people, asking people, what is your name? You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about like being, being prepared for wonder, like Mm -hmm. in spaces where we wouldn't expect to find wonder Mm -hmm. in spaces where we think we're running an errand or we think we're, you know, doing a task, but to just be kind of prepared for like wonder to smack you in the face. Cause we've all experienced that, right? Like we all know that that happens, Mm -hmm. but I just think like how much more frequently will we, will we feel it if we walk out into the world every day, just like prepared for it? Yeah. It feels like important to me I've had a lot of magical experiences in my life and I'm very thankful for them um and I don't think they're over you know I think I'm going to continue to have magical experiences um and I'm just incredibly thankful for them and I I get to have these magical people that come into my life even if it's for a short period of time you know like Jamie um but I got to experience that and I'm so thankful for it and uh but it's also because I wasn't going out into the world judging people right. and I was allowing, you have to allow those moments to happen, Yeah, you know, and you have to make room for a divergent mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. yeah. And so many people I think are shut off to that, you know? Yeah. I think that's why talking about art is important. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I ask like, if art is everything and everywhere, like what does it mean to be an artist? And I feel like if it means anything, it means like, if you're going to say like, well, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. I I think if it means anything, it means like practicing, you know, devoting your life to these questions and hopefully, you know, discovering some things that, you know, are shareable. Yeah. Cause it's, it feels like what's more important than like, um, you know, experiencing magic with other humans (laughs) yeah there's nothing more important than that yeah it's pretty it's pretty nice and we have the opportunity to discover it in like kind of a particular way sorry what were you gonna say yeah i was i was gonna say like it's it's nice when i think that's probably my favorite thing about people is getting to connect with them yeah um it's such a privilege it's like an honor Mm -hmm. yeah amen that's a perfect that's a perfect 
dot. Okay, I ask everybody to just like fun questions at the end so that Perfect. the ending isn't awkward. <laughs> endings can be awkward. I don't know. I'm pretty good at making things awkward. <laughs> I mean, we all it's we, it's a gift we all have. Yeah. Um, charming people are red flaggy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your dream collaboration? Who's someone you'd love to work with, or you can build the team? I always ask everybody. Do you know one. the answer to this, M? Who would be my answer? Should you say it on the count of three? <laughs> Should we just both say it on the count of three? One, two, three. Swoon. <laughs> Did, is that what it. they said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It would 100% be Swoon. What is that? <sighs> Who is it? Swoon is a Brooklyn-based street artist, but they don't just do that. They also are just a brilliant... I, I can't even think... I don't even think they identify as a street artist anymore. That's just how I discovered them. Um, she is a queer artist who does beautiful work, and she does intricate paper like she cuts out paper and does like three-dimensional work and she does art installations and exhibits all over the world and her work is just breathtaking and she sometimes finds objects and does work on it and then she um I, I don't really know how 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 totally she does some pen and ink and then she does some sketches and some cool. prints and some I, I mean it's so hard to like really totally encompass her work uh completely um her her real name is Callie but I mean this is her her art name yeah. is Swoon I love that I I am uh, so moved by artists who just like the medium is no matter yeah. <laughs> like the medium she just, can just she can just do yeah, everything but cool. I I first discovered her because I'm really obsessed with street art it's it, er, urban art and so that's how I first came across her work and then M M being M like M is so lovely and lives sometimes I feel like under the, the biggest rock in the universe, but also like is magical. Like you're like this magical being. Um, I, we were going to New York and M knows that, that Swoon is based out of New York and Swoon is very famous by the way. Yeah. And, and I do hold Swoon a bit on a pedestal because, because I love her so much. And, um, and M's like, well, we should take her to breakfast. I love it. And I was just like, (laughs) huh? What? Like, that's not a thing. Like, you can't just, that's like being like, of course like, you can. That's like yeah. being like, we should just take Dolly Parton to breakfast. Like, yeah. to me, it's like the same thing. Like, yeah. it's like, it's just like, huh, what? Like, uh, n- no, like, that's not a thing. Did you do it? And so, so M's like, we'll just reach out to her and just be like, we're going to be in New York. Can we take you to breakfast? And I'm like, she is so famous. Like, this is like my favorite artist. And M's like, well, so just reach out to her. And M's like, could you imagine like if somebody was coming to town and like wanted to take you to breakfast? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not the same as Swoon. Like and trying to get like M to also understand that like was like another story. But anyway, so I was like, OK, fine, because you really like were encouraging this. And I was just like, I felt kind of like silly doing it. And so like I reached out to Swoon and I'm like, I'm positive Swoon's a not the one reading these messages because I'm positive she has assistants. And so her assistant got back to me like right away and was like, Swoon will be out of town during that time, but I can arrange to show you her studio. Wow. 
And I about died. I was like, just to be in the space that she creates in. And it almost was better that she wasn't there because I probably would have hyperventilated. Little fangirly. Oh, I would Um, have 100% been fangirly. What what collaboration would you want to do with her? Anything. Cool. Anything. Like she could sweat on my artwork (laughs) and I would be fine. It sounds like we could just, it sounds (laughs) like like that's manifestable. 100% anything. Like she could just touch my artwork and I'd be fine. (laughs) I'd be like, we collaborated. No, like I, I could touch her artwork and be fine. No. And we walked, when we walked into the room, there was a piece that was going to, was it Shanghai? There was a piece that she had just finished that was on its way to Shanghai I, we ended up having to leave because I had to go around the corner and cry yeah, wow. and I didn't want to cry in front of her assistant and I had to leave cause I was just like so overwhelmed with emotion wow. just being, could you imagine, I mean, who is your favorite artist? I don't even know. Okay. Well imagine your favorite, whatever, fill in the blank singer, artist, you know, songwriter, yeah. whoever. And being in their space yeah. where they create and getting to see like maybe the song they had just written yeah, yeah. or whatever, but you're in their space. Yeah. I was so overcome with emotion. Like I had to leave so I could cry. Wow. It was a lot. And then M bought one of their original, wow. one of her original pieces and it now hangs in M's home. Oh, that's wonderful. And then I cried again. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, that's that's a great story. I love it, and I hope you can collaborate with Swoon. It, it feels like she sounds too. like she's open. Maybe I, I want to meet her again one day. But I was kind of glad she wasn't there that day because yeah. I don't think I don't think you would have lost your chill. I don't think I could have handled it. I could barely <laughs> handle just being in her space. Yeah. Well, maybe like it'll be like a couple of like little touches, and then like oh a my collab. god, okay. Kat, tell everybody where to find your work. Oh, I'm so easy to find. Catpalmer.com. You can Google me. I'm Cat Palmer Photography on Instagram. I don't feel like I don't feel like young people are on Facebook anymore, but if you're old like me, <laughs> I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Um, Kat, thank yeah. you so much for thank being you. here. It was a joy to meet you and talk it with you. And M, so thanks for being here too. Lovely to M meet is here. You. Yes, my yeah. partner is here. So it was so lovely to meet you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.